Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kyoto, no my Heidi Mike, it's a huinga or puniki AA on air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. My name is Victoria. I'm an alcoholic and chairperson for today's meeting. Hi, Victoria. We open AA meetings with the Serenity Prayer, and I invite you to join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I'll now read the AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Excellent. Um, so we're just going to get straight into the sharing today. Um, we have a bit of an all-stars group, as <laughs> there wasn't a particular AA group in Wellington that was assigned for this month. Um, so we are going to listen to just the dregs of uh, Wellington <laughs> AA today. Um, so I'll start by asking Jono to share. Hi, my name's Jono. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jono. Hi, Jono. Yeah, yeah, where to start? I had my first birthday on, the, on Boxing Day on the 26th of December. Hey! hey. Who knew? Who would have thought? Um, I know it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. I never. I didn't think that I would actually get to a year, but I didn't really think that I'd ever be sober. Um, sometimes I'm a bit confused as to how I actually made it, or what's happened to me to make me sober. Um, seven years ago was when I started to moderate my drinking or thought that I was trying to moderate my drinking. <laughs> I think we all know how that goes. It doesn't go well. Um, like I remember not wanting to go to my th own 30th birthday because I didn't really know where I was going to end up or who I was going to start a fight with or um, <clears throat> didn't want to go to the cells again. Um, but yeah, here I am. Um, and it's pretty, I don't know, it's pretty amazing to get here. I'm always so nervous when I have to start. I don't know. I don't know why I always sit here in the same seat. Because <laughs> I'm a because I'm a creature of habit. Um, <laughs> I am a creature of habit. I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Um, so even I mean, gotten to a year and I feel like I'm feel like I'm somehow perfect now, or at least I'm supposed to be perfect because I don't drink anymore. But it doesn't really necessarily work that way. Um, <clears throat> I need a constant reminder of that because uh, I've got I've got 21 years 
of really bad habits that I'm trying to undo. Um, I didn't really put any work in for seven years. I said I was in recovery, but really I was doing it only until such a time as I could start drinking again. That was my, my mental state. Um, something crossed over for me. I think the big book calls it a spiritual awakening. I don't know if I want to call it that, but it, I just can't think of anything worse than drinking now. I can't think of anything worse than just making it worse. Um, and I'm really glad to actually be here. I'm glad to be alive because I don't think that I would be if I, if I was drinking. Back to the big book, it says that we reach a point where there's nothing left but jails, institutions and death. And I'd already been to two of those. There was really only one option until somebody in AA, or somebody took me to AA and explained to me that there was a solution. Um, so I wouldn't actually be alive if it wasn't... I genuinely don't believe that I'd be alive if it wasn't for, for these groups and this group, no matter how nervous it makes me. I still can't can't share. I still struggle to get get it out of me. But um, I always feel better once I do. Yeah, one year. Who knew? Who would have thought? Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs>
you know, they have a little cap of uh, vodka or um, St. Bock, and I used to sniff it up my nose and, you know, just do crazy things if I didn't have the money. Um, or I used to, like, stealing people's alcohol when I'd go to parties. I'd just quickly be in the kitchen and sculling everything, and, um, and then I'm wasted. Um, I sometimes don't remember how I got home. I'd be... I, you know, I'd be in bed sometimes, or I, I would always black out really fast and quickly. Like sometimes I can scull a whole cask of wine in an hour, and a whole bottle in 10 minutes, just to get that effect. And um, I have woken up in cells before. Um, I thought I did something bad, but they just said, oh, if you're drunk and intoxicated, we have to chuck you and put you in the cell. Um, so I, I, I came into AA, in and out. Um, yeah, I just, when I saw the word God, and I thought, oh no, I thought it was the church, because I got forced to go to church as younger. Um, but, um, it's, you know, it's your own high power, whatever you're into. Early days I used to pray to a cat for high power, but um, now I don't, but... Uh, <laughs> Or actually, you can pray to anything, really. A cup or door handle, whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, it took me a while to do the steps because I found step four really hard. I just didn't want to forgive my <coughs> stepfather because he sort of ruined my life. Um, yeah, it took me a while to do the steps, but I've done them slowly now. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be alive, and it, the program saved my life. You know, years ago I just didn't care about nothing, didn't care about myself or anyone else around me. Uh, hated everyone, and um, yeah, I just have this, you know, sort of a bad um, mental health sort of thing, um, depression, and we're thinking suicidal sometimes, and that. But I just sort of felt. Found some hobbies, you know, like watching movies or getting into all sorts of music, and it'll take my mind off those thoughts, and it works. Um, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's probably saved my life, and um, now I've found a high power now, so I've started decided to go back to church, and um, yeah, it's, it's A is good, and um, I found some some good friends in the fellowship. And I'm about eight years clean, which I'm quite proud of myself. I didn't think I would get that far. Because it's quite funny, because uh, when I met my real dad, he was 53 and I'm 53. And he died at that age, and I wanted to follow his steps. But uh, things are different now. I don't want to go follow his steps. Um, I want to stay alive. And I'm, you know, about the same age. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm, I'm family all were alcoholics, but my f- parents are gone now. Um... <coughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll, um, leave it there. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Nick. Thanks for your sharing, Shane. Would you like to share? <coughs> oh, thank you, Victoria. My name's Shane. I'm an alcoholic, and um, and I'm very grateful to be here at another AA meeting. This one's on air, and that's so good. So, hello to everybody out there in listening land, and um, nice to be with all of the top shelf guys. <laughs> yeah, and girls, sorry. And, um, <clears throat> but, um, 
Yes, I I'd always, and it started like a long time ago, you know, like with the growing up thing, and I just had no confidence as a child, no confidence as a teenager, no confidence as a young man, and no confidence as an older man. And um, want, wanting to find a way to, to rid myself of all the fear that I had, and, and I found that through drinking. And I, my first time I got uh, drunk was 14 years old, and... Um, and then I thought I'd found the answer to life uh, 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 with the elixir of life, which we call it, and that was the alcohol. And um, I did both things. I, I, I used um, weed, and so that was just picking a different seat on the Titanic for me, and, um, uh, and but mostly drank. Uh, and it wasn't just what it, uh, how much I drank, it was what it was doing to me, the effect it had on me. Um, was very adverse, and, uh, and I'm just one of those types, what we call that, um, cannot, cannot drink safely. Uh, um, I take my hat off to those who can, and that's their business, what they do. But um, for me, I know it's a, a toxic poison. But however, I've had to learn all over again of how to live, how to do life, and how to let go, and how to accept what is, and... I've done that through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I um, I was in I was brought up in, as a member of the LDS Mormon Church, baptized in the river just north of Taupo. Probably the only thing me and Jesus had in common was being baptized in rivers, but um, but I I stayed a, a good member uh, uh, for twenty years, and they were going to send me on a mission, like put dress me up like an FBI agent with a, ba- a name tag on my white shirt and, and, and tie and ride a 10-speed bike <laughs> and not, knock on people's doors and and teach them about the Book of Mormon. But instead I got one of the girls at um, church pregnant and thought, well, we better do the next right thing. Got to do the next right thing, son. So it was down the aisle, shotgun we- uh, wedding. Uh, we had five wonderful, beautiful children. Um, it was not a happy marriage, but... Um, <clears throat> You know, I look. I, I had to look at my part in that later, which I did through the steps of AA. But I, I'd, I'd been in my career. I'd been a painter and decorator, and I found in that, within the realms of the of that industry, it was filled with alcoholics, drug addicts, misfits, and people that I fitted in very well with. <laughs> but um, but of course, it didn't help with my illnesses, which. Uh, you know, I had issues with anger, uh, resentment, fear, and drank on all of those things. And so my, my, my marriage lasted um, 13 years, ended in 1996, 97, and then my drinking escalated until I'd made it, ended up making a, a, quite a disgrace, a, quite a disgrace, a real disgrace of myself from my drinking. And um, I got... Um, <coughs> Uh, I, I had a girlfriend from the Ukraine at the time. She introduced me to the community of Russians here in Wellington, and I ended up getting kicked out of their parties for my bad behaviour, and uh, which was fueled by my drinking. And you know, so it, it just got worse. Uh, things got worse. I was getting arrested um, for violence. I um, one late drunken night, I beat my car up with an axe, and. Um, was chased by a police dog and consequently put in the cells again, facing charges again, doing more, you know, community work and 
clearing up the scrubs up at the Karori Cemetery. And, um, and this became a regular thing. But I knew through my drinking, I knew that, that around that point in time, 2003, that I'd reached the, the zenith of my alcoholism, whereas I was really, I, I knew I was going to go to jail. I knew I was going to go to jail. It was just getting worse and worse. And uh, there was no hope for me because everyone was saying, you know, you can stay away, Shane, don't come near us or me or our functions because you're a dysfunctional person and your drinking is way out of control and your behaviour is obnoxious. So I was kind of like feeling sorry for myself in my little sad bastard flat and um, with a can of baked beans, sad bastard baked beans at Christmas time, uh, pouring over old photographs and drunk on a bottle of whiskey and um, nowhere to go. And, uh, and then I was invited by a woman who was from actually from the Mormon church. And I just thought, oh, no, here we go. There's another member of the gossip squad and she wants to find out what's going on. And so I was already, already automatically kind of defensive because I was already oversensitive. And she'd said to me, I hear your drinking's out of control. Well, I was about to tell her, I was about to say that. But, um, but anyway, then she said, I'm with Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm 20 years sober. And that somehow put the hackles down on my back. And because I had nowhere to go, I decided to come to an AA meeting. And I was very angry about coming to AA. Um, I walked through the doors uh, in a terrible state. I, I was just filled with fear and resentment and anger. I just wished there was a big nuke bottle button to push to blow up the whole world. I thought I was just part of God's cruel ant farm experiments. <laughs> He's Shane today. But, um, you know, I came to AA and I listened and I resonated with what was being told. I, I thought I was unique in my, all my problems. I wasn't unique. Other people had suffered the same way I had and, or had a background or a history like mine. And I clicked with them, but I was still a mess, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And, and so I started coming to meetings, and I found a lot of peace coming to meetings. And, uh, and I got a sponsor who was from Scotland, from Glasgow, and <clears throat> he told me I was not well in a, in a way of, you know, different way, but... Um, but he also said, hey, if you want any sympathy, dear, look in the dictionary, you'll find it between shit and syphilis. And um, I didn't look in the dictionary, I knew, I knew what it felt like. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I stayed, I kept coming to meetings and I found peace from my racy, depressed head and the mess that I was in. I found peace by sitting in a meeting and I was amazed. After a while, you know, like I started feeling peace. I couldn't believe it, you know. So I looked forward to coming to meetings because it gave my head that space that it just needed, that, that I wanted, that nice little bit of zen for an hour. Uh, anyway, after the meeting, I'd step outside and here we go again, it's off. It's going off like a bloody TAB race call. I'm racing this time and Shane's going to go around the bender. And, um, <clears throat> and it was just a nightmare. So I looked forward to meetings. I just did meetings three times a, a day, if, if possible. Um, and then I learned how to do the steps thanks to this Scotsman who taught me the steps, which were the way to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which taught me how to live and how to learn to let go and how to learn to accept and, and get a power greater than myself, which I already believed in because of my religious upbringing. Uh, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not religious now, 
but I still believe in that God, same God as I would say of the Bible and of Jesus Christ. But I just don't go banging tambourine on a Friday night in Courtney Place to try and teach people the gospel and hand them out tracks. But um, uh, I found AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, saved my life, saved me from going to jail, saved me years and years of pain and misery that I inflicted upon myself and upon others. I did not consider how other people felt when I was playing, being the dickhead in the party, the life of the party and the death of the party. And, and so I've, I've learned a lot of ways, and I'm still like a, I feel like I'm still in kindy, still, still like a child that's still learning. So long as I'm teachable, I'll always be able to learn something from anyone. And, um, and I do believe in God and my understanding. And, and as we say, we talk about God's here, but we, we don't say you have to be have to have the God I believe in or what someone else believes in. you can have what you choose, what Nick just said, you know. You can have, you know, God, Heavenly Father, or you can have Allah, you can have Oprah Winfrey, you, Phil Donahue, you go for your life, you know, but um, but I, I chose God and I hand my will and my life over to his protection and care with prayer every day. I pray every day. And, um, and I'm so, so grateful. AA has saved my life, the fellowship, of people that I met here have loved me back to wellness and and I've found a new life uh, you know like uh, uh, I haven't won lotto but um, that's okay and people have asked me have you given up for keeps Shane and I says I don't know that but if I I knew that then I'd know the lotto numbers and win it so I don't know but I what I do know is I don't want to drink today and it's living in the moment not in yesterday not on the not in the future but in the moment and that's what I've learned from being here. And I've learned how to consider other people's feelings and to consider them first. Uh, uh, I, I, it's a learning curve, as I say. It's always a learning curve. I'm extremely grateful to be a member of AA. I'm thankful to be here with my tribe. Uh, um, and thank you so much for listening. And thank you very much, Victoria. Cheers. Thanks, Shane. <coughs> yeah. Kia ora, Shane. Thanks for your sharing. Uh, just a reminder, you're listening to the AA meeting on air. We're broadcasting on Wellington Access Radio. If you or someone you know relate to what's been shared here today and you want to get in contact, there's the 0800 AA Works number 24-7-365. Um, You'll be able to get someone on the other end of the line that is a sober alcoholic and can tell you a bit more. Um, or you can just jump on our website, www alcoholicsanonymous.org.nz uh, they have meeting lists on there um, for the whole of the country and now I'll ask Mark to share please Thanks, I'm Mark um, I've been sober for 15 months today um, after a 40 year drinking career uh, and I'm a third generation alcoholic uh, so my father and his father were both alcoholics uh, I was exposed to alcohol uh, a lot earlier than 14. I, I must have been seven, seven or eight when uh, my father used to take me down to Ozich's Vineyard on Great North Road in Auckland and fill up his flagons. Mrs Ozich would give uh, my brother and I um, sherry and water and uh, I can just remember the warmth uh, and the glow that that would give me. Uh, so I was quite attracted to alcohol from a young age. Uh, but the first drink I had on licensed premises was when I was 14. Uh, it was a youth group outing. Um, so I was raised a Catholic, and uh, after Mass on a Saturday, um, 
the older, older kids, you know, 16, 17, uh, held a youth group. And uh, I went over there when I was 14 and discovered that it was just a piss-up. Um, so that's how I got into alcohol. And uh, that's how I got away from the church. Uh, I only went to church so I could attend youth group. And then I just stopped attending church altogether. Um, and started enjoying drinking. Uh, and that carried on through my teens uh, and progressively got worse through my 20s, 30s, uh, 40s, um, where it eventually became a, you know, I was a daily drinker. Um, I couldn't go to a party without uh, blacking out. Uh, you know, I was life of the party uh, to a certain point, and then I'd uh, just drink and tip myself over the edge, and uh, I'd just become a menace. Um, so often I'd be escorted out of parties, uh, you know, not welcome back, like Shane was saying. Um, and I couldn't remember what I'd done wrong, you know. I, I just thought uh, things were fine and everyone was having fun. Um, you know, I thought I was witty, uh, clever, um, yeah, just brilliant. <laughs> you couldn't fault me, but there, there was just a huge chunk of those nights that I couldn't remember. Um, so I went to, so I got arrested a number of times, you know, for fighting and uh, willful damage. Um, things like that, uh, always as a result of drinking. Uh, so in 1999, um, I left New Zealand for the UK. And, uh, you, you know, because I figured the next time I got arrested, I'd probably do some jail time or, you know, um, have a serious punishment rather than just a fine. So I went to London and uh, just landed with a group of people um, who were drug addicts, you know, drug dealers and things like that. So, uh, you know, just massive piles of cocaine everywhere I went, ecstasy, ketamine, um, all of that. And uh, I took to that like a, know, a duck to water um, because I discovered it would really uh, help my drinking. You know, I could uh, take cocaine, for instance, for days on end uh, and drink for days on end, uh, which I did. Um, but, you know, so I carried on like that for 11 years uh, and came back to New Zealand 10 years ago uh, where drugs are harder to come by. Um, but alcohol was, um, you know, readily available, so I just doubled down on alcohol. Uh, and I eventually got to, you know, just drinking every day when I was cooking dinner, you know, it was a bottle of wine a day, and that quickly became two bottles of wine a day and then three bottles of wine a day, you know, uh, and it got to the point where it was embarrassing to put my glass recycling container out uh, by the curb because it was just stacked high with wine bottles. Uh, and often, I, well, I, I would need two uh, recycling bins. So I stopped drinking wine and started drinking vodka. Uh, and, you know, my wife was impressed. Oh, wow, you've stopped drinking wine. <laughs> um, little did she know. Uh, so, and that vodka became uh, a litre of vodka a day. Uh, and I became depressed. Uh, this is my last three years of drinking. Uh, I couldn't hold on to a job. Uh, I was unemployed for three years. Uh, and my drinking got uh, progressively worse. So it was just, uh, so, you know, suicidal ideations uh, and attempted suicide, uh, which led me to um, the crisis team at uh, the mental health unit. Um, 
and speaking to a psychiatrist there, uh, you know, I was sort of left at a, at a turning point, um, you know, because I'd been seeing doctors and counselling and counsellors and psychologists for quite some time, and I'd never really been honest about the amount I'd drunk, um, but I wanted to get over this depression. Uh, so talking to the psychiatrist, you know, I made the decision that if I wanted to get over this, I needed to be honest about my drinking. So I told him about my drinking, and he referred me to CADS. Um, so I went to CADS for uh, a number of months and, you know, some pretty intensive counselling there. And from there I decided I'd go to AA and uh, it was the best move I made. So I went to my first AA meeting or for the first three and a half months, uh, drunk most of the time, uh, but I knew there was something there that I needed. Um, you know, the people were welcoming no matter what state I was in. Uh, I found a sponsor uh, my first day uh, and he... Um, you know, kept on at me uh, to stay sober and just to try, you know, one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. Uh, and I did uh, eventually manage to string a few days together, um, which I was really proud of. Uh, but, you know, it took two managed de detoxes for me to um, finally get the message. You know, I couldn't uh, just give up drinking on my own. I needed something, something stronger, something more powerful in my life. So I did a managed detox in September, um, so I was in hospital for six days and uh, came out of there and stayed sober for another eight days. Um, so that brought up two weeks and I thought, wow, that's great, let's uh, have a celebratory bottle of vodka. So I did that and uh, continued drinking solidly um, until my second managed detox. You know, I, every time I went to bed, I just wished I'd die. You know, I hoped that that was a bottle of vodka that would kill me. Uh, and I was disappointed when I woke up in the morning because I knew I'd just do exactly the same thing again that I'd done yesterday and the day before and the day before. But on the 15th of October 2019, uh, I was actually scared of going to bed because I thought that would be the day I'd die. So I asked my wife to take me to hospital again um, for another managed detox, which she did. And on the 16th of October, um, you know, I made a strong decision that um, I needed to stop drinking or I would die. Um, so I uh, read the steps and did the first three steps. I read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, first five chapters, and I couldn't believe how much of it uh, described me. Um, and, you know, it just spoke to me like no other book has ever spoken to me before. So I did the first three steps, um, and the, the third step is committing to uh, a higher power. And I did that, and, um, you know, I was quite... Uh, quite determined to have a higher power in my life uh, and you know like Shane said um, I also pray every day and I hand my life and my will over to the care of my higher power um, and I haven't defined that higher power but for the sake of simplicity I call it God um, and my life changed uh, changed since you know I mean uh, miracles have started happening you know I've been sober for 15 months you know I never thought I'd be sober I thought I'd die a drunk uh, I got a job, um, you know, when I was least expecting it. I was out for lunch with a group of friends. I was just wearing shorts, jandals, T-shirt, uh, and I got a call saying a bloke wanted to talk to me. I tried to resist, but he insisted. And uh, lo and behold, I was employed uh, and started work the, the next week, you know, and none of this, you know, nothing like that happened when I was drinking. Uh, so I really believe that was a, a miracle and one of the, you know, one of the um, gifts of uh, having a higher power. 
Uh, and AA's been great, great to me. You know, I come to uh, a lot of meetings, uh, and the fellowship is great. Um, so supportive, and, and there's so much love in the room. Uh, you know, we all find something we relate to in each other sharing. Um, and it's just great to see newcomers come through uh, because you can, it, it helps you remember what it was like for yourself when you came, when we came into AA for the first time. Uh, and I keep that memory um, buffed and polished. Uh, I don't want to forget what it was like in my last uh, bout of drinking um, because I don't want to go back there. You know, it would just be the end of my life. Uh, and I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Mark. Uh, got some time for you, Dan. If you want to share? Yes, thanks, Victoria. I'm Dan. I'm an alcoholic. <coughs> and um, great to be in the studio with the All Stars. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always good to be at any meeting of AA. And, um, you know, like, I, I consider it a privilege now to be sitting in the rooms and be able to listen to the, the sharing and the honesty. But, yeah, it wasn't always like that. Um, you know, as a, as a drinker, um, I mean, it really sort of took off in my teens and I loved it. And I, what was important to me is um, being able to access it myself and I could do that from the age of 15 <clears throat> when the drinking age was 20. So I thought I was pretty clever, really, being able to get my own alcohol supply and sometimes I could even pay for it, <clears throat> so that was good, and that uh, that was a bit of a game changer for me. And I, um, yeah, I, I went away to things like youth group camps and things too. And I was the one that would turn up with the rucksack full of beer cans, you know, and and I, you know, I'd try and drink three quarters of them as well. And <clears throat> yeah, I like I didn't really th- think of that as being abnormal. I just thought it was kind of like normal teenager drinking, and I didn't see myself as any different to anybody else because a lot of my friends at the time were doing the same thing, or like it seemed that they were doing the same thing. But it seemed like whenever I would drink, we'd all drink, but I'd be the one that would get into trouble, or I'd be the one that would pass out and wake up covered in blood and vomit and things like that. And it didn't seem to happen to other people. <laughs> and and I started to get into um, into trouble as well, like, you know, with with the authorities. And that didn't seem very fair either. Like, I was just a normal teenage guy just having fun drinking. But yeah, I got into a lot of trouble and ended up in the rooms of AA. And I was really doing that to impress other people because I wanted to get out of the situation I was in. And I thought going to meetings would be a good way to show everyone that I'm, look at me, how, you know... <laughs> how um, lovely am I and <clears throat> so but yeah I'd, when I was in, in the rooms I remember thinking like you, you guys are worse than me you know, way worse and I'm not as bad and plus <laughs> plus I'm way cooler than you guys you guys are all dicks you know and <laughs> and so in, in the age of age of 20 when I f- first started going to, to meetings I was never going to stop at that point but I was saying all the right things oh yes I'm an alcoholic and yes I need to stop and you know I'm going to keep going to meetings and keep doing this and that and as soon as I was out of trouble I yeah, just bam I was just gone back drinking again never gave it a second thought you know and um and carried on and things you know things were okay but they gradually over time they got worse you know like 
I was still, I was managing to hold hold a bit of a life together. Like I, I got a you know a, okay kind of a job and and I got a wife and managed to buy a house and you know, I was kept in touch with my family and things like that. So it wasn't like a complete disaster, but yeah, it just felt like I wasn't really really getting anywhere and and I wasn't really um, behaving all that well a lot of the time either. Uh, you know, I'd go out and do things that. You know, while drinking, that I'd be end up being embarrassed about and ashamed of, and even when I wasn't drunk, I'd turn up to things, and I'd be hungover and absolutely wrecked, and so I wouldn't be giving my full, you know, self to the event, and the whole time I'd just be prioritising alcohol events. Like every weekend, my mind would be thinking like, okay, where am I going to go to drink? How much is it going to cost? How am I going to get the money? Is any of it free? Can I get, invite myself to parties? Because parties were the best because you could take your own booze and you could often, like, I'd end up at parties of people I barely knew. Like, I'd meet people in the pub. They'd mention oh, some party they were having. I'd find out the address. I'd turn up, like, the next week or whatever. They'd think, oh, who are you? And I'd be like, oh, the guy that you met at the pub. And and I'd, I'd, I'd preferred drinking with randoms at the end because I could just drink and behave how I wanted and um, didn't have my friends around me to rein me in. And the whole time I just really thought I was enjoying myself. I thought I was having the time of my life, you know, really. I just thought it was great. And, yeah, I, this carried on for years and years and years, like well into my 30s, until I just had a, a moment where I woke up in the morning and the night before I got really upset while drinking and I watched some music and it really affected me and I just felt as though I wanted to stop. And I remembered that contact with AA that I'd had all those years ago and I hadn't been to any meetings or I hadn't tried to stop in between that, you know, that last meeting. And I rang AA that, that Sunday morning and I staggered into a meeting also that Sunday morning after drink, you know, being drinking all night. And you know, I <coughs> went into the meeting and they asked me to share and I shared and I had a big cry as well. And I breathed alcohol fumes over everybody. And and they told me to keep coming back, which I thought was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I did, you know. It's like I got myself a meetings list and started going to meetings, you know. And some days I really didn't want to go to the meeting. I just wanted to go somewhere else or go to the pub or something. But, you know, I just dragged myself to meetings sometimes. Other days I'd really be happy to go. And, like, it, it was, you know, like I knew... Like when I walked into a bar, I felt like I was in the right place, you know. Like I felt at home. This is, you know, I've arrived. And, but also I felt this, the same thing when I was in an AA meeting. It wasn't quite the same at the beginning, but I kind of felt like, oh, I'm actually in the right place, oh, you know. Like I'm like these guys, and I didn't really want to be, but I realised that I was. And I, I started reading the, the big book as well, the, the, the text of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, there's a, a chapter in there called The Doctor's Opinion. And it basically says that, you know, once someone reaches a certain point, they're, they're, sort of, they're beyond human aid and they can't, they can't never drink safely at any point again. You know, it's like at certain points, people can drink a lot and whatever, but at a certain point, 
once you've overstepped that mark, there's no going back. And the only the only way to control it is complete abstinence. And I read that and it pissed me off because it's like I'm it's like I'm that, you know. And um, I felt really, yeah. You know, <laughs> in New Zealand, we've got a, a well, probably another cricket playing country. As a saying, I've, I feel like I've been caught and bowled. And that's what I felt. <clears throat> I felt well, you know. It's like the the gigs up. Um, yeah, I had to accept it. And now that I accepted it, it's like what am, what I'm going to do about it? And so, yeah, I, my my treatment is is going to meetings and having a sponsor and working the steps and doing service and praying and meditating. And that's what I do. Like, you know, I don't go to meetings every day, but I do most of the other things every day. And the result of that is that, you know, I've been sober now for uh, it's nine and three-quarter years, you know, which is, I can't believe it. Really, I can't. And... You know, my life now is is completely different to my life as a drinker. Like, you know, every everything has changed. It's like a, I've I've got a new life, and it's a better life. It's like so much better. I'm like, I'm present in everything that I do now. You know, like I'm at work. I'm a better employee. I'm a better friend to my friends. You know, I'm a better father. I'm a better partner. I'm a better son. Uncle, every every role in my life is better. I've got more money in my bank account. You know, I feel better every day when I wake up in the morning. I smile and laugh more. You know, like I don't feel guilty or awkward or awful or embarrassed. You know, it's like I'm. So all those things are just so much better. And like you know, I can honestly say I love my life now. I'm really lucky, and, and it's all down to AA, so I'm going to keep coming back because I love it, and I love all you guys and girls. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so th- yeah thanks, for, thanks for everything today. It's been awesome. Thanks, Dan. Um, I'll now ask uh, everyone to join me in closing the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God. grant me this serenity to accept things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work at it. (laughs) So work it, you're worth it. program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.